Star Wars, Hope Malnax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to Jedi's and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Jedi's and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Mandalorian. I just realized I misspelled Mandalorian in the opening there, there we go. They don't Crap. know. They don't know. They'll never know. Well, now they know. do. <laughs> In this episode, with the child, the Mandalorian must now contend with scavengers. There will be... Suga! 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 We're talking about the Mandalorian Chapter 2, The Child, this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. You know, I something as we were talking beforehand... Last week, we were talking very specifically how we were recording the day before the first episode of Boba Fett. So, what are your feelings about that first episode? I loved it. I loved loved it. it. Yeah, it it sucked me in. I don't think it was especially, like, groundbreaking because it it was very well felt like, you know, it was very similar to the Mandalorian and feel, which is what I expected. I thought the special effects were were of a higher quality than I was expecting, actually. With you know where they 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 threw in some off shots from the old movies from like episode two, and there's like uh, a full like like Harryhauser monster in it. <laughs> it was a kraken with legs. Basically, it was a kraken with legs. Um. Um. But I thought it just, I, I don't think it broke any ground in like how it was telling the story, but it but it told it very well. And Robert Rodriguez is a really good director. So it was, you know, beautifully directed and, you know, visually nice and, and set down the premise for the show or what looks like it's going to be the premise of the show is, you know, is Boba Fett's... Um, ruling technique going to work <laughs> is is he going is, is he going to be able to you know maintain his system in the leap from bounty hunter to to crime boss you know and uh i don't even think he wants to be a crime boss <laughs> i well he i He's i think kind of playing one at the moment well that's the thing it's that i think his i think his ruling method is going to run in, you know, run into trouble. He was, you know, not to get into too much of the show, but I think it's going to run into trouble as, you know, where you, you know, he's like, I want to be of the people. And it's like, well, you're not of the people anymore. You were. (laughs) So do you want to be a bounty hunter or do you want to be, you know, do you want to be boss on the throne? So it's, it's, I think that's, I think that's going to be the main thrust of it. Being that what were you saying? It's seven episodes. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's so, seven. so like you know, 
you can't put too much in there. I'm sure they're going to throw some, you know, branches off into the other shows in it too. But I think that that's going to be the main thrust, which I'm, I'm happy. I was like, I said before the show, I was watching it and I got so sunk into it and I'd been, and I'd like spent the last two holiday weekends catching up on movie, all the things that everybody's arguing about, whether they love or hate and and watched them so i could weigh in and i mostly liked everything and um I, so i was used to watching movies so like when it ended i was just like oh shit that's right it's a 36 minute show not an hour and a half i was ready for it to just keep going and going and going and uh i liked it i i thought it'd be very interesting how um because you made me think of this because it's actually almost one of my notes for this episode for mando um, you were saying how Boba Fett wants to be like the ruler of the people. And I think that's interesting because that's kind of where Din is right now at the end of season two. You know, yeah. he has the dark saber and he's this nobody who's just like, oh, fuck, I rule Mandalore now. <laughs> yeah. And it makes them really nice foils to each other of these two like Mando outsiders who are now like in these positions of power um that and they got to figure out what to do so I, I think it's a very nice pair show um foil show for each other um i liked I, I, it. I saw one review of somebody who was very very angry at the show wasn't badass and boo-boo. he's a badass but he gets beat up by tuscan raider kids and, and it's just like dude you can't just have a badass be a badass all the I've time that, you know it's just like so sad it's just like don't you see that or like babies. his beatdowns are actually making him more badass and like the way he's taken his beatdowns and the way he like forged his you know and you know the fact that he simmered in a and another person hated it because they're like what the fuck how the fuck did he get out of the sarlacc pit he was supposed to be in there for a thousand years as if uh, like it was a jail that you got sentenced in by job. Yeah. So, so somebody just not being <laughs> able to understand like movie dialogue is just totally pissed off at the show because they're like, he's supposed to be there for a thousand years, man. And it's like, I don't um, think you understood. Does he not understand said. how human lives work? <laughs> I d yeah. I don't know what's going on. There. I don't know what's going on there, but like my coworker is like, look at this. Cause my coworker hadn't seen it yet. And he's like, I, I'm looking at a bad review. And I'm like, well, what are they saying? He's like, they're saying he was supposed to be. And I'm like, let me see that. And I'm like, Oh, Oh dear God. <laughs> don't listen to this person. <laughs> like if maybe if like he was a, Powin, who does live for centuries, that's the only yeah. thing that maybe, but no, that's not even how lives work. No, yeah, yeah, no, like people are like, well, you know, it takes a thousand years to kill you in the Sarlacc stomach. It's like, no, it takes a thousand years to digest you. I'm sure you'll be well dead. <laughs> well dead before the Well century. dead by the time <laughs> that thousand years is up, you know, it's just, yeah. For, for me, um, this might be no surprise because I prefer animation over live action. I liked it fine. Um, I, I liked 
the parts of it, the thing that interested me the most was the present day stuff. Like I'm really interested and fascinated with that. And it gave me, oh my God. So as someone who loves the High Republic and my favorite characters, Loading Great Storm, they gave me a shirtless green Twilight man. Oh my God. <laughs> Hope's brain stopped for a full minute. And so full minute. <laughs> I had to pause the episode, Chris, because I was like, <gasps> I just have to pretend this is Loden. Um, well, there's also off. there's also speculation that he's a gender Tri- fluid. And yeah, I was just about to say that because he has ears. he has ear cones. Um and th- actually that happens in Mando too, the Lady Twilight. Um, that used to be with Den, and that we'll get to in a few episodes. She has ears. Um, There's a lot and- of speculation over whether that's just makeup mistakes, or whether there, or, or whether Twilights are just like. I, sort of I like don't feel like all um, over the place. So, like right. for for the lady, I don't feel like that would get by Filoni. Um, no, over multiple shows. Yeah. Yeah. No. So uh, yeah. I kind of like this idea that like it's totally normal and like t- because actually um in the novel Ronin that was written for uh Star Wars Visions, the tie-in novel, there are two transgender Twi'leks in that as well. Well, I mean, I mean in Star Wars you've definitely seen many species that you see different very you know different variations of them that are on a wide spectrum you know we've seen we've seen species that like we've had to look up to see that they were one of the same species because i'm trying to remember the one species where there were ones that were just like little tiny like ugnot sort of creatures and and the rest of them were big warriors you know Mm -hmm. and there were you know and there was you know that much variation within within a species so it might not just it just might not be an uncommon thing it's not an uncommon thing in nature generally too so and as we're like i'm okay if the trend going forward is like in twilight culture twilight culture it's totally cool to be like gender fluid and trans i'm cool with that um but yeah i like the episode fine um I, I I did like like I said I like the present stuff more I, and I like the past stuff I just thought the past stuff was just like a touch too long it felt like a little I would rather it be fifty fifty and it felt more like sixty forty um so I I would have just like a little bit more time in the present and not as much time in the past but I liked all the stuff I um, think I, and I, I think, think a lot of it is just like I really like Finnick as a character so like I I was like I just want a little bit more Finnick and I'm interested in what they're doing. Um, and I like all these characters and stuff like that. So, but I did like the stuff in the past. I like seeing how Boba worked, learned to work with the Tuscans and well, earn the respect and him with the little kid, the little kid well, Tuscan. That's the thing is I think they had so much of the past in it because they had to get to a certain point in the story with him and the Tuscans to have it line up, to have it work good with his, with the, with the parallel present storyline. Yeah. So, so they they was, had to sort of they had to sort of thicken it because they also had to show him getting out of the Sarlacc pit. Which I don't know, like for, they, for me, like really, it came down to like instead of having four scenes of him walking behind a big right. furry monster in the yeah. desert, maybe like three scenes yeah, instead of no, having that like was Rodriguez three, having fun, you know. And, and I know, and that's, and, and, that's those, what I, and that's what I really felt like. I just those well, a few of those I wouldn't mind getting trimmed a bit. Yeah, that's that's a minor minor quibble, um, but yeah, I thought it was fine. I liked it. I, I liked it too. It. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Next new episodes tomorrow. 
give me more uh, pretty Twilight ladies and shirtless green Twilight men. And I'm here for that because the ladies were very pretty too. But Twilights are Hope's favorite species in Star Wars. I can look at Twilights all the time and I love them and they're gorgeous and they're beautiful and I love them. Also point of uh, last point of interest that we were discussing before we started recording is uh, the week that we're recording this, which is the the first week in January, is also the six year anniversary of J Guys and Jedi. Jedi. I know we started the first week of twenty four. I hope doesn't know how to do math anymore. Twenty fourteen? No, seven sixteen. When did Force Awakens comes out? It was the it was the January after Force Awakens. Force Awakens. I'm guessing oh. it's sixteen, right? Because it's twenty. 22 now doesn't know how to do math yeah it'd be 20 yeah so force awakens was 2015 so it'd be the first week of january 2016 so it's our six-year anniversary that we're recording today yay it's kind of fun that we just did the ask me anything too and that episode's coming out tonight that's coming out at midnight tonight Ah! it's already out as by the time you guys heard this i hope you enjoyed it thank you for submitting all the questions (laughs) well are you ready to get into the the Jawa episode? I am ready. I'm about to talk about a thing that has never happened before in the history of me doing background information notes. You ready? Yes. Chapter two, The Child, is the second episode of The Mandalorian. It aired on November 15th, 2019, and it was written by John Favreau and directed by Rick Fumayiwa. No, nah, that's not right. Let me do that one again. Famuyiwa. It's fa- it's Famuyiwa, right? Famuyiwa. That's the only way I can think of to pronounce Famuyiwa. it. It was written by Unless John. It's Famuyiwa. It was written by John Favreau and directed by Rick Famuyiwa. Some extra information for you. You ready? The Jawa Elder is played by Stephen Jackson Powers Jr. and the and this is his only acting credit at the time. Lucasfilm's David Accord voiced the Jawa Elder, and that's it. This Nothing was, else. That's all we know. The, this was the first time I've ever gone to StarWars.com and there was no trivia gallery for the episode. There was a trivia gallery for last week's episode. There was trivia gal- galleries for Clone Wars, Rebels, Resistance, and Bad Batch. <laughs> I've never, like, I just stood there. I was like, where's where's the gallery of background information? Where's I'm going to make, ba- I'm, I'll make up speculation tri- trivia. Where's all I, the background information? I, 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 I in, in, in the first act of this, I have a whole, my little laundry list of all the, like, stuff that should be in this section of, like, you know, um, Favreau and, and, you know, Filoni said that they took a lot of inspiration from A and B. So I'll provide my speculative A's, B's, C's, and D's of where the, sh- of, of extra stuff in the show later on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's more out there, but not in my usual sources. And you know, Hope doesn't get paid for this podcast, so she's not going to go do extra work if it's not there. So. That sounds like a podcast in itself. Hope doesn't get paid for this podcast. <laughs> Hope doesn't get paid for this podcast. I'm just going to do shit. <laughs> That's the one where you just go and just like re- say whatever you want. So let me tell you all the ways that Zeb sucks Callus's dick. Yep. Yep. Oh my god, I could do the whole podcast. Oh, Jesus Christ, I thought you were talking about your cat first. No, 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 Hope, no. My, my Zeb is a big fat fucker. <laughs> that that's called Hope's. This is that's called Hope's show gets banned from all media. Is when. <laughs> no, no, no. 
that really like Zeb is a very hefty cat. Um, Billy picked him up today and she's like, I really think I just sprung my wrist. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> my roommate and I were talking about how awesome our cat is because she's like a little bird. She'll jump onto your lap and it's just like her. It's just like, boop, boop. it's just, it's like a bird landed in your lap. It's like her bones are hollow or something. She's just a tiny little slip of a cat. And, uh, it's awesome because every other cat i've ever had in my life just will like get on your lap and like be like how is this thing cutting off all the circulation from my body you know how did this thing just leave an impression of its body after you know sitting on me for an hour and uh this this cat's just like just a little powder puff it's so good that zeb's not a lap lap cat he does not like sitting on people's laps because the few times he does it he crushes you yeah he crushes you he's we know he he was 13 pounds at the beginning of the summer i'm pretty sure he's probably hit 14 by now like he's a fat chonker (laughs) he is a chonker boy and he even has fat boy food that he loves. He loves eating his fat boy food. But then he <laughs> well, sleeps all day. <laughs> well, that's right. If you eat all your fat boy food and sleep all day, you still can be a fat boy. Yeah, yeah. He has a dainty little thing. Anyway, you know who else is a dainty little thing? Grogu. Not Yoda. Yoda not dainty. Yoda is such a dainty little thing. Yoda thick and massive and manly. Yoda have big dick he does. <laughs> Yoda have massive schlong, space schlong. They call yes. him big sports Yoda. Did I lose Yoda, you? Yoda rough and tumble. Baby Yoda little... Run away from the spider. Well, Yoda, I got a question for you. A question for Yoda. Yes. Wisdom people need from Yoda. Wisdom about life. And power. And power. Strength. A Jedi needs not these things. Well, we only need wisdom from Yoda. So your question... Wisdom. Yes. But your question this week, Yoda... Did you see the cute little thing Baby Yoda did? He lifted the mud horn all by himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yoda can lift a mud horn with Yoda's eyelash, yes, with lo- Yoda's left nuticle, yes. And, and Yoda doesn't have to take nappy nap after. No, you know what Yoda does? Goes jogging. Goes jogging in his speedos and his flip flops with weights on his shoulders. Yes. Yoda, do you have a six-pack? Yoda has a six-and-a-quarter pack. It's genetic. Oh, I was about to say, that's impressive, actually, Yoda, if you have a six-and-a-quarter pack from working out. Yeah, just, just, Yoda won the genetic lottery, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, well... Jesus, but he was just a baby Yoda. That was really hard for him. Really hard. Had forty years of practice. Yeah, did you? Oh, there, there he is. Have to take a nap. Oh, nap. Hi, Grogu. You're gonna make Grogu cry. Pathetic. Pathetic. Why? You're gonna make him cry, Yoda. 
Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe Grogu should cry. Cry, Grogu, cry. Yes. <laughs> oh, he's running off. He ran off, Yoda. You mm, made him sad. Yummy, yummy tears. Mm, mm, mm. You're such a bully. He's just <laughs> a baby. Toughen him it, up. Even though for some reason he's kind of grinning over there. Why is he grinning at you? What? Oh, he's sad again. He saw me looking and he got sad again. Mm. It's okay, Grogu. You're sad boy. again, yes. Don't you doubt, sad baby. Again. You know what? Why don't you go jog and take your six pack and your weight somewhere else? You made the baby sad. Mm, yoga. Yoda's yoga. going to. Yoda's going to do yoga then CrossFit. Yoda yoga. Mm, Iron Man competition. Yoda is doing space Iron Man. Actually, you would probably kill it at the Iron Man. I, I actually think you would do a fantastic job, Yoda. You would absolutely kill it. Mm, bike is hard. Not if we get you a small enough bike. Mm, use force a little, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got that, Yoda. I actually yeah. really would love to see Yoda do an Iron Man. <laughs> that I would pay money for. I would pay so much money, Chris. <laughs> I would go to some weird, like, you know, the the poorest third world country to watch that Olympic event. <laughs> <laughs> I would absolutely do it. All right. Well, are you are you ready to get into this? I am. And I'm just hoping actually quick question. You know what I'm you know, what you know what? I'm as happy as a pig in shit. Huh. About at least when we at least I got I got the music for this one. That's true. Music. You tell it wasn't it, like was, resistance where you were having to scrounge music. No, no. This music happened when you're telling at the same time it, when you're telling the story a lot of times, and it's awesome. Don't write fast. Makes my editing life so happy to see to see that I miss that so much during during resistance i think that was the only i think drawback to resist to the whole experience of watching resistance and doing a show <laughs> on was the lack of any music for it you know i just yeah. want to listen i just want to listen to it it's a I good think. soundtrack everything else i i i went out and found the ewok movie soundtrack for both of them you know yeah, I want it. And also Rebels season three and season four because we still don't have Yeah, those. some composer worked hard on that and it yeah, sounds it and it's good music. It's not like it was it's not like it wasn't good music. Yeah, Michael Tavera and Kevin Kiner for season three and four of Rebels. Please release them. Um There's I did wanna... people who did not watch Resistance who would probably be psyched to listen to the soundtrack. Yeah. Saying. So I forgot to ask you what you I, think of I the know a couple of them. I forgot to ask you, what did you think of the episode? Oh, what did I think of this episode? This episode. Funny you ask this, Hope, because this, uh, you know, the Mando sort of makes me, I now I feel like you with Resistance and, uh, and, and uh, Rebels, where, like, I should have, I should have said this last episode, but I wasn't as confident as I am now, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say that I, this is my favorite episode of both seasons of Mandalorian that's so funny because uh, this is one of my personal favorites too. This and, is one of my uh, favorite episodes. And this, th yeah, uh, uh, the, um, and 
I I knew it going for some reason. I thought this was the third episode, so I was last last week. I was like, I didn't want to say like like you've done, and I've always been like sort of like, oh really? Uh, oh well, maybe your mind will change. But you've been like, you know, you you've had an episode that you could pick out and say this episode here is my favorite episode, you know, and and you know, may, and maybe it has changed uh, your opinion on it's changed a little bit. But this for I I can confidently say. Is uh, un- unless something, so, you know, unless my mind changes. Re- There's a couple episodes in the future in the next two seasons that I know could possibly knock this out as my favorite episode. But I love this episode. Oh boy, do I love this episode! It is I, I love this everything. Everything I love about Star Wars, not everything. But it's a lot of things that I it's it's packed full of things that I love about Star Wars. And it has a few things in it that just like just are so tuned to my Star Wars experience that without be without pandering to me mm-hmm. that are that. Yeah, are just it's just wonderful. Like this. This is one of my favorite episodes of this series so far. Like, um. I can I can think of like two other episodes that I really liked that's probably in the running. Um one of them was kicked down very harshly because of a certain actress. Um but this one like was always an early favorite. I love the symbolism. There's so much symbolism and imagery in this episode and I'm there. And as I was telling Chris, um, I realized part of the reason why I was not as excited to get into Mando because I've seen season 1 four to five times because of like writing for websites or being on other podcasts. So I've I've seen this. So this was the fastest outline I ever did. I did this outline in 45 minutes, which is uh, unheard of for me. Usually it takes me like two hours to do an outline, but I did this one in 45 minutes because I knew all my notes going into it. Right, right. (laughs) I just had to like separate the like, pretty much write the the acts. (laughs) Right, you didn't have to sit here with the show side by side just going, okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's not yeah. like like resistance where I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this. I, I've seen this once, like two years ago. No, I just watched this. Well, like, this will be the advantage of you. Of, we were talking about the disadvantages of you of watching this like four times already, but now we now we also have some advantages, at least in the in the grunt work. For season one, um, season two, I've only yeah. seen twice. Um, for 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 enjoyment and then writing for articles for it yeah, it'll um, be nice for the first couple months and for it yeah yeah <laughs> but back like to, back to the grueling grind but as for this episode like episode two i've actually watched this episode on my own a few times because i just really like this episode a lot um so yeah all right you ready to get into it i'm ready bring <laughs> on that appropriate and authentic music Act one. We open after the events of last week and Din Himbo Jaren is like, fuck, I'm a dad now. Oh God, he's so cute. Why is he following me? Oh yeah, I have a thing on my wrist that makes his crib follow me. Okay, I'm a dad now. And Groku's like, I'm here and I'm cute. Look at all the little wizards. Look at all the lizards. I said wizards. (laughs) Look at all the wizards. This is our well, they do have stuff. pointy caps, and we don't know. They could all be wizards. Uh, 
can You're assuming it. a lot, but it's not impossible. We've been watching totally. the what we do in the shadows, and I just got to the part where they were drinking like the blood from like drugged people, and Nandor was like, <laughs> "I'm a wizard." <laughs> <laughs> this is already off the rails, guys. It's fine. Anyway, oh, they're it's funny. We'll get we'll we'll get to have more when we we'll get to have more conversation about that when we hit. Um, Book of Boba Fett because there's definitely the connection. I saw that. I was like, why does this Twi'lek sound so familiar? Oh my god, it's Laszlo. <laughs> Laszlo was the torture droid, too. He was, he was. <laughs> the worst possible droid for hope, too. I mean, I couldn't help it. I was laughing. I was like, that's Laszlo. Uh, anyway, let's try this again. So Den's a dad, and Grogu's cute, and they're walking along. And you guys remember last week when I was like, Grief Karga is talking to Din, and he's like, look at those Trandoshans over there. They're obviously listening in. Well, guess who jumps out of the shadows? The Trandoshans from last week, and they're all like, surprise, bitch, we're here to kill you. And Din's like, I can't let you do that. This is my son now. And the Trandoshans are like, the money. And so they fight. And it's all like punch, kick, swipe, swipe. And one of them goes to stab Baby Yoda. And Grogu's like, Daddy, help me. And he disintegrates him <laughs> with a big blast of his gut. And, and Himbo is like, are you okay, son? He's like, I'm fine. And, and Gro Den's like, great, I got my ass kicked. Let's go, let's go camping. So they go camping, and Din is finishing, like, trying to fix all his wounds, and trying to fix his, arm, fix his armor, and Grogu's like, I'm gonna help Dad, and he gets out of his little crib, and he whacks his little feet over there, and, and Din's like, oh, you're, you're out in the elements, I must put you back, and Grogu's like, but I want to heal you, Daddy, this is very important, because this came out before The Force Awakens, and we had to set up Rey's arc, that she, and all that stuff, and yeah, and Grogu tries to heal him again. He's like, no, baby, go to bed. And he closes it. He puts him back in the crib and he closes the door. And he's like, stay in there. So they walk They walk over the next morning to back to the Wraither Crest. And Den's like, my ship is so great. It's so cool. Wait till you see it, son. And they come over the hill and the Razor Crest is getting gutted by Jawas. And Grogu's like, this ship sucks, dad. He's like, shut up, it's cool. And you know what? I'm cool too. Watch this. He takes out of his his gun. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot some jealous because I'm mad. <laughs> I sound like I'm crying. <laughs> I'm mad. So Din disintegrates some of the jealous, and they're all like, Oh shit! Get back to the ship. So they jump. They jump inside their big Jawa tower on wheels, and the Jawa tower is running. And Din's like, Come back with my ship parts. And you know what the himbo does? He tries to storm the Jawa Tower, and it's one himbo against the world, and he gets his ass kicked because he's climbing up the tower, and they try to ram him into a rock and it doesn't work, and himbo gets further up the tower, he throws Jawa off, and they, sh they shock at him, and he throws another Jawa off, and he finally gets to the top, and he gets up there and he's like, ha ha, Jawas! And they're all like, they all pull guns out on them, and they're like, aha, Mando! And they stun him, and Himbo falls off, and he lands in the mud. And when he wakes up, there is his kid, and he's like, don't judge me, I've been a dad for 
12 hours. <laughs> I'm doing the best that I can. And Grogu's like, okay, Dad. So they go back to the Razor Crest, and it's all gutted, and there's nothing left. And he can't fly, and he's like, I can't even close the door and fly it. That's not until, what, season two? <laughs> when we do that? I can't do that yet. We're compromised. He's like, all right, guys. Being, guys being one guy, being my son. We gotta go find a friend. And they set out to find Khalil. What'd you think of Act 1? No dialogue yet. I I actually wrote it down. 11, actually, 11. 11 minutes and 11 seconds yeah. is the first line of dialogue, which I've yep. been broke to being Act 2. Which is just shows the power of the visual storytelling. And the emotions and how well it's done. That for... An entire third of of a twenty eight minute episode, because I, I looked the episode's twenty eight minutes, and this is at eleven eleven, not counting the intro, the openings, and the little Star Wars logos at the beginning. So we're talking about like over a third. The first third of the episode is dialogueless. Yes, it's so good. Yes, none needed. N- nothing. No piece of information needed to be needed to be expressed through you know dialogue or exposition it was beautiful beautiful whole whole story just there you go Mm -hmm. wonderful 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 i mean it's not quite comparable because for one it's different mediums two it's canon versus not canon and three it's emphasized different mediums but we talked about this when we talked about the twins in visions when we were going over revisions and we were like, this is just exposition dump and they're not shutting up. And if if they if you just took out like every other line, this would work so much better. But the dialogue drags that one down. But this shows that you can have like so much of a story with no dialogue whatsoever. Yeah. And you totally know what's going on. Hundred hundred percent know what's going on in, in, in all of it. And and like, yeah, a lesser show would have had had him I'm not like, saying that Visions is a lesser show. Visions no, I'm just saying a lesser show would have told this story would would have like had some there would have been some dialogue when grow you know oh here you go back in back in here with you what are you doing out of your crib again or you know there there were there were plenty or you know or grabbing a transdotion and going who sent you but he knows who sent him so you don't even have to it's just boom straight through okay so my my. My just visual notes or just surface notes. Um, this is where this first part's where I'm gonna. Um, um, well, it'll be part of my three-part plan of telling you why I love this so much. All right, that's but good. I mean, I like three-part plans. Di- Dialogue-free. I love the part where he won't let him heal him because we know sort of what's going on there. We at least have our suspicion. You know, and and it's just a neat little scene that like he's he's self cauterizing his this wound, and he's obviously like <laughs> not enjoying himself. And he could he could have a nice little force blast, but he's just not completely unaware of it. Um, wanton Jawa murder. Uh, there's just this seems to be Jawa seem to be a race that gets <laughs> just murdered just. Yeah, we'll just we'll just we we'll just kill him. <laughs> Everybody just sort of hates him. But this is the one. This the, the, like you see a bunch of all. There's 
this is something I usually hate. There's re- there are references and callbacks in this, but they are to stuff that that is not like obvious. I mean, Jawas are obvious, sand crawlers are obvious, you know, all that stuff. But um, you know, this. I mean, when when I just remember seeing episode one and just flipping out because I'm like, oh my god, they're doing Lone Wolf and Cub. Oh my God, this is Lone Wolf and Cub. He's already in a baby cart, you know. He's in a baby cart. Oh my God, it's a samurai and a baby in a baby cart. And I'm like flipping, flipping out because I love the Lone Wolf and Cub comics and movies and TV shows and just, you, you know, the whole, you the know, whole thing. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, just tossing out as a possibility for commentaries next year. I've still have never seen them. So maybe that could be one of our commentary movies. Yeah, the first Lone Wolf and Come. It's it's a it's it's a it's a tough one because we'll have to decide whether we want the American re-edit or want to go for the originals. Or... I would let you choose. Yeah, yeah. It would I would probably choose the original. You have twelve months to decide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I, I would be I would be I don't know. I don't want Oh, it probably would be a good commentary, but um, um, so um, what other references we got in here? Well, we got uh, Marvel Star Wars big time. There was an episode of Marvel Star Wars, an issue with both where the Jawas fought jo- Boba Fett fought his way out of the um out of the Sarlacc pit and got picked up by the, the Jawas. And I can't remember I if it was Luke Skywalker or Han Solo is tied up in it and actually, you know, teams up with Boba Fett to escape. And they're both sort of, Boba Fett's like, hey, you know, Jabba's dead. And Han's like, hey, I'm free. And they sort of go their separate ways. But there's a whole chase with a sand crawler and climbing up the side of the sand crawler. And it's right out of that. And that chase with the sand crawler is right out of the Super Nintendo Star Wars um, A New Hope game where you had to climb the the sand crawler and and get inside of it. But like it always reminds me of Adam West Batman. It's it's a little bit. It's (laughs) and and there's a Din's himbo and I love it. There's a strong Raiders of the Lost Ark, or maybe more specifically the Last Crusade, but there's but where they're trying to scrape him off on the side. There's a there, I think it was in the Last Crusade. There's a scene with a tank where they try to scrape Indy off the side of a tank by running him into the into a cliff, and it's it's very very similar. Um, so it's just filled with these little like little. Little, little callbacks or references or just things that evoke those things that are obscure but but great you know and mm-hmm. it does it in a in a in a in a different way it was i like and and this was and as soon as this episode started and they're walking walking through with the little lizards by their feet and and uh you know, you see the shadow go over his head behind him, but he also hears it, and he's like, hmm, oh, something's that's, up. That's actually one of my notes, because if you look at Den's helmet in that scene, you can see the Trandoshans jumping in the reflection of his in helmet. In the reflection of his helmet, It's such yeah. a nice shot. But, like, you know, it's something he shouldn't see, but he hears it. 
and but but at that point when that when all that was happening that's when i was like yes this because up until this point i was just like oh please let this be like lone you know have a good thread of lone wolf and cub because i know what lone wolf and cub stories are and there's there's it, it's not basically they don't just follow lone wolf and cub but there's a few lone wolf and cub like stories in it and the idea is the same except except the the his the kid in the baby cart will kill people <laughs> in, in, in lone wolf and cub he's he's more more uh involved in in the mayhem but um yeah, and this was the episode that cemented that and said, "Yes, we 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 definitely are uh, definitely are influenced by Lone Wolf and Cub." So, uh, yeah, I was v- just a happy, happy camper watching this the second time. I was even a happier camp- camper because I could just re- relax into it. Plus, I have the the future insight as to what's going on to to you know feed and to have a new layer into it. So. Yeah, that's all I got. But boy, I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. Did I mention this was my favorite episode? This is one of my favorites too. <laughs> it's up there. Um, I will get to the smaller of my two bigger notes. Um, I love that Din is bad at things, and because like I, I think of this episode so much is. And I, I know I talked about it at some point in the show before the show ever came out was one of my fears coming into the show was it was just going to be like this macho replacement for the Boba Fett show that got canceled and that the show would just be a lot of like a bunch of explosions and cool stuff, but with no substance. Like that was a fear of mine. Like I was not ready for I was not excited about the show. And I know I've talked about it at some point early, earlier on. And so what I liked so much about this is Zen's not perfect. He gets fuck. He is a fuck up, but he gets angry and he is upset and he like he's irrational at times. He gets his ass kicked. He gets beaten down, and I like that he's bad at things because he's, he's better than the average bounty hunter. So he's kick ass to the people around him, but his general he's generally hard luck. You know, now he's stuck yeah. on a planet with his ship gutted. You know. And he's just going through and he's like, ah, let me see if it'll start up. And you're looking at the ship and it's like, dude, you can't even go. You can't go too far up into the atmosphere with this. If it could even fly, it's got holes in it now. You know, your your ship's fucked, dude. And he's just like, well, I'll try it anyway. But I I like that about him, though, is that he's not perfect because I was really scared. He would just be like the perfect Mando, the perfect bounty hunter. He's not. He's a flawed guy. He's a flawed guy that's like kind of just trying to make his way through life and trying to like fit in in this cult that he doesn't know is a cult. Like he's trying to fit into this place that he doesn't feel like he belongs, as we talked about last week. And I, and I like that. Um, it makes him a very relatable character. Like I know I felt like laying in the mud and just being like, Ugh. <laughs> like, and this was the first episode where I really clicked like in a lot of my fears going into the show went away 
Like when I saw that like Den wasn't going to be a perfect hero, that he was going to have flaws, like getting angry because he doesn't need to shoot. He only needs to scare the Jawas, but no, he's fucking pissed and he murders them. <laughs> and that's a character flaw. <laughs> murder if murder is the direction you go into, especially because then you can throw in a little bit of speciesism in that too. He's like, no, fuck the Jawas. Um, and, and I, well, he, I, did, he did, it's, it's, it's sort of, he did catch them in, in, in flagrant stealing of his stuff, of, you of know, his so, house. Yeah, yeah, that's of, his house. of his livelihood, his everything, that's everything, where he lives. That's his horse. His house. You, they hung, they, they hung you for stealing a man's horse in the old West. So, you know, morally in the framework of where he's operating and where the and the where the Jawas are operating because you know when he came to do business with them they're pissed but they still did business yeah. with him because hey we're stealing the dude's ship <laughs> he disintegrated a few of us it happens <laughs> yeah you know? so so I I this this episode made me love Den so um my next big note is kind of split into parts um and I think this episode gets kind of overlooked by a lot of fans. Uh, this is one of Grogu's most important episodes to me. Um, I like that so much of this episode is shot from Grogu's point of view. We're looking out of the cradle with him. And we're seeing what he's seeing. And that's such an important shot for multiple reasons. The first being not knowing Grogu's past, except that we, you know, as we're looking at this, as people who have seen through season two, we know he survived Order 66. He was at the Coruscant Temple. We know that for decades, decades, he's been hunted by the Empire, and he's been, he was in the hands of mercenaries as of last week's episode. So we can assume that he's had a very traumatic young life. So when we're looking through Grogu's point of view, we're seeing him witness Den, and and I'll talk about more of this in like uh, Act. I think it's Act Act Two. I talk about this. Um, well, but like he's witnessing Den, and he is kind of judging this person because he has no control. And this person is two things. Den's proving that he's someone that Grogu can learn to trust, as we see that he tries to heal Den because Den protects him from the Transdotions. Probably unlike the Imperials who are just using him or the mercenaries who just captured him, Den is protecting him. And, um, but also being a child, Den is imp imp leaving an impression of violence on Grogu, which as we see later in the show, those actions of violence come out. Because he's seeing this as the person that he's learning to trust, that violence is okay. Like, people get disintegrated in front of Grogu, and then later in the season, he chokes Kara. <laughs> like, we see yeah, that well, these I impressions mean, becomes, come out. This is the beginning of a running theme in this, of like, like a lot of times, like, if we were just, like, you have, your note here is all caps, a man gets disintegrated in front of Grogu. Like, now, inches that you, from him. In a lot of the other shows... That would have been something you and I just sussed out. We would have been just like, hey, you know, when you think about it, Grogu just saw a bunch of people get disintegrated. But this show purposely, you know, when somebody gets killed, they cut away and show his reaction, you know, and that's that's done on purpose. And it's it's definitely this is there's a lot of themes already starting in this first episode of, you know, the interaction between Grogu and and the Mandalorian as yeah. it should. And it's leaving these impressions on him. 
and it it is starting like this is the starting point of not only Den and Grogu's relationship and why Grogu learns to trust Den. Um, as we know from the Ahsoka episode where Ahsoka's like, oh, this kid loves you. And he's like, really? He loves me? <laughs> and But also, like, Ahsoka says, like, there's darkness and trouble in him. And I'm like, yeah, he's seen a lot of violence in 50 fucking years. A lot of it recently because his dad blew up a guy two inches from him. But in... In Den's defense, the guy was going to kill him, was going to kill Grogu. And it was like, either Grogu was going to die or the guy. And so it's a very, very important moment where I don't think Grogu would have healed Den if Den hadn't fought for him. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think, I don't know if Grogu would like heal anybody. He might heal anybody that he was around just out of like, it depends it it's all going to depend on what we find out what grogu's internal monologue is if it's like more like a 50 year old or more like a a a toddler you know or or a little little kid you know if it yeah. if, he's a, yeah. if he's a little kid then he's like an atom bomb you know and it's like to get him to the point where he he isn't just you know killing during ta- having tantrums and killing people during tantrums like a little kid would who hadn't at as, some as point we see in later his with, Jedi as we training see later with Kara he like force chokes her because he thinks right. Kara is hurting Den someone he I trusts. mean I mean to have to have somebody if if his psychology matches his body then you know they must have spent a there must have been a lot of time squelching him with the jedi you know or may, you know teaching him not to not to just strike out you know as a as a kid or a toddler with with yoda powers would do so who knows who knows like how you know traumatic that was <laughs> you yeah. know or, I, I, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on, but um, about what I sort of assume from what we can gather from other stories. Um, and I, okay, just check it. Yeah, I do talk about this in Act Two. I, I go more into this. So he's hey, sort yeah. of wrapped up in all the worst aspects of everything from the prequels. You know, cloning. You know, the clo- whether he's cloned or whether the cloners are just interested in him. He's a victim after, of Order 66 yeah, and all that. The, the, and he was involved in the Jedi when the Jedi were at their lowest ethically most questionable point. So there's just, he's just mixed up in, uh, and and then, and then like passed from bounty hunter to bounty hunter. He's just like getting the worst aspects of everything from that prequel era. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why like Den is so important this, from this moment because Den could just be any other bounty hunter and be like, all right, the kid died. Well, then I'll just bring him in dead. <laughs> but no, like Den protects him and shoves him out of the way and, and takes out anybody who would hurt him. And I think that's way why in the I back th- of his mind, he knows he's got a, he's, he's found a foundling you know yeah. there's there's some part of him that's like jeez this is just like me and then actually then exactly. he's thinking wait i'm a mandalorian you know yeah and, I, and, and, I think and so he's like sort of forced, feeling that through the force as well he's forced he's forced into by fate into a foundling relationship and then he's forced by fate into leading the mandalorians <laughs> <laughs> king himbo is my favorite yeah <laughs> But that's all I have for Act 1. Failing up. Failing up with Din. <laughs> that's, that's Din's story in a nutshell. 
he falls up. Den is the king of falling up. Yeah. Oh my god. <coughs> all right. Well, that's all I had for Act One. Did you have anything else? No, I'm I'm having fun. I've got some more proof that this is my favorite. More proof to support my favorite episode theory. Oh, I have up. so many notes for Act Two. Anyway, all right. <clears throat> Act Two. So, Lone Himbo and Son. I love it. Um, show up, show up at Quill's house, and Quill is like, "Oh, you didn't die. That's good." And and Den's like, "I'm stuck, Quill. What am I gonna do?" Hope. Fuck. T-shirt idea or mug oh. idea. Lone with a, with a, instead of a horse, a gorg, two gorgs, and the the lone himbo and Grogu dressed up like the Lone Ranger and Tonto. <laughs> I still like the uh, lone himbo and son. Quill's <laughs> uh, like, you didn't die, that's awesome. And Den's like, I don't know what to do. The Jawas destroyed my ship. And Quill's like, they didn't destroy it, it can be fixed. And Den's like, I can't fix my ship. And Quill's like, well, not with that attitude, you can't. So Quill's like, I'll tell you what, I'll take you to the Jawas and we'll barter with them. And Den's like, I'm don't like this plan. I kind of exploded a few. And Quill's like, huh. So this is what everyone's been fighting for? And they all look at Grogu and he swallows a frog and Kermit, the frog, is not dead. And Quill's like, oh. Well, cool. You don't have to feed him now. So the next day, Quill takes Den and Grogu and they go out to the Jawas and the Jawas are like, why the fuck did you bring that shiny-ass himbo bitch into our house because he killed some of us. And Din's like, you stole my ship, you son of a bitch. And Jawa's like, dealing and murder are two very different things. And Quill's like, look, you fucked him over. He fucked some of you guys over. Can we at least talk and make a deal? And the Jawas are like, fine, but he sounds like a Wookiee. And they're all like, ah, 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 ah. And Din's like, I and, and they were like, okay, we'll tell you what. We have this thing. If you get us this thing, we'll give you all your parts back. And Den's like, cool, what's the thing? And we're like, we need you to get the egg. And Den's like, what the hell is an egg? <laughs> and they're like, you know, the Suga. And then Den Jarred gets to go on the Suga Jaride of Misery. And the whole time, the Jawas are like, Suga, Suga, Suga. And Den's crapped, like, cramped up in the little front seat. And he's just like, ugh. And this, the, my, actually, my favorite part of this entire episode is when Den's all curled up in the front seat, and the Jawa just looks at him and goes, Sika. <laughs> like, that's my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> so. I have they, a note on that. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the episode, of it, it cracks me up every. Because it's just that Suga, and then Den just going, <sighs> Like. If you ever watch the show in subtitles, it's so funny every time they just write size. <laughs> it's a constant of just den size or size. I love it. So, they arrive outside nearby and Den and Grogu head out to the lair of the Mudhorn. 
and Dan gets there and he's like, all right, son, I'm gonna go in there and steal an egg. And Gregory's like, okay, be careful, Dad. Stay here and I love you. He's like, I love you too. So I don't love you. I'm not a dad. <laughs> and Dan goes inside and he's like, all right, gotta be cool. Gotta be cool. Gotta find the suka. But he ends up finding the mud horn. And the Mudhorn's a mama. And the mama's like, don't you steal my babies. And the Mudhorn comes out and she's like, I'm gonna crush you because I don't want you to take my eggs. These are mine. I worked hard making these. They're my babies. I'm babe. just minding my own business. Yeah, yeah. The Mudhorn. That's gotta be a conversation one day of animals and, and Star Wars are just fuck. Cause that's how I feel about the crate dragon. The crate dragon's just fucking minding its own business, and they go and they're starting. They're, they're starting once it hit Disney, and uh, uh, you know a little bit of Clone Wars. They were starting, but really with Disney, they were starting to be like, let's get animals in on this more, you know, as sentient creatures instead of just things that can be killed you know senselessly but at the same time it's still mostly not monstery looking snarly dinosaur yeah. creatures those ones we can kill with that's you're so deep. right about that because we actually saw that in resistance where bebo and his mom were totally cool because bebo is cute but when they got to season two they killed the jupa but that's because they were starving and so that that makes sense because like the jupa died so hundreds of people could live yeah. they just fucking massacre the crate dragon because they just happened to move into the crate dragon's area and the crate dragon's like i live here <laughs> what the fuck and same thing with the mudhorn the mudhorn's like sleeping chilling with her eggs and Den's like i'm gonna kill you and she's like what the fuck i need yeah it's <laughs> sorry sorry lady i i got a ship that i gotta fly yeah yeah, it's it's and such she's a like, what the hell? What's a ship? <laughs> yeah, like it's such an interesting conversation of like, when do we slaughter animals versus not? Especially, yeah. I here 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 you go. If you want to hear a much more in depth conversation about that, listen to Sky Talkers for this episode. If I remember correctly, they talked about the slaying of the Jupa and Bebo and the Mudhorn. All in one episode. All I'm saying is an animal rights activist in the Star Wars galaxy, even in our quote-unquote modern age, is going to have a hard life. Yeah. <laughs> because the general temperature of the galaxy is like, yeah, animals can just die. It yeah. seems like <laughs> in the last 40 years of Star Wars or so. <laughs> so, anyway, long story short. Uh, Mama Mudhorn is beating the shit out of Den, and he is about to die, and is running at him, and, like, Den goes through all his weapons, and, like, none of them's working, so he takes out his, like, tiny little pocket knife, he's just like, I'm just gonna hope it runs into something, and Kroger's like, Den, no, and he throws out his hand, and the Mudhorn stops, and Grogu fights so hard and he's just like i'm gonna save you dad and the mudhorn lifts in the uh, in the air and den's like what the fuck is happening what is going on and he looks over and gogu passes out and the mudhorn crashes to the ground and den's like stab <laughs> one stab and the mudhorn's dead and he's like oh oh, oh i did it i did it oh, i did it yay 
and he runs in and he grabs the mudhorn egg. He's like, I got the egg. And he grabs the egg and he grabs his kid and he books it the fuck out of there. What'd you think of Act Two? All right, my note on on the 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 ride from hell is when the Jawa looks at him and just goes, Suka. <laughs> He's basically saying, You're gonna die. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, we're good. We're going to. Yeah, Suka, the egg. Go get us that egg, big guy. Murderer of my my best friend. I mean, Suka, the yum the yum. And, and then way. they're like, and then they're like, hey, if this guy le- lives, Suka. <laughs> either way, does, the Jawas are shit. winning. The Jawas are winning either way. The Jawas have won now. They've gotten a few deaths, but they get a. They're Jawas. They they take a few, few deaths, but. At the same time, okay, they stripped a ship, but now they're getting something, and they're either going to get revenge for their dead friends and his parts and the rest of his ship <laughs> now, if if, or they're going to get some delicious, delicious suka. Who, who knows? They might get, you know, it might be like they might get drunk off it, you know, for all we know. But whatever it is, they it, they love they're that in a so, situation. Yeah, they are they are happy as little clams. They're speeding, they're driving. That's the fastest sand crawler I've ever seen in my life. It's uh, they're driving over hills, they're catching air. They're just like, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's hilarious. And like, I just imagine like them like like um Dukes of Hazard going off a hill, just like yeah. <laughs> and just just a technical note. This is I think the first time we've ever seen Jawa tra- ja- the Jawa language translated. And I would, uh, I and, would say on screen because there have been books from their point of view. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know but, very specifically, but, there is a book from a point of view. Uh, there's a short story from the point yeah. of view of a Jawa in a certain point of view. But I think on screen, you're right. But I'm not yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, it's the first time I think we've seen subtitles underneath Jawas. And uh, um, <laughs> just another visual note that. <laughs> When I saw him first walking into the into the den, I'm just like, enter the mud butthole. <laughs> and, then, and then I was thinking, common sense, although at this point it's a little too early for for him to to trust anybody, but it was like, wouldn't you wouldn't you leave the kid with with Nolte, you know, when you go to fight? What what happens if you don't win this deal? The kid's just sitting out there alone now with a mud with an angry mud horn. So, um, and another, another, another thing I noticed is now we got some dialogue. We're into the part of the episode with the dialogue. A lot of it's not even in English. So still it's, it's still, you know, minimal, you know, although they are translating some of the, you know, dialogue through subtitles or, or just Nolte, Nolte translating, but I, I like it. It's it gives it a more naturalistic feel to the whole thing. And my last thing is why weren't the Jawas kinda hated like the Ewoks? Where people are like the Ewoks are Jawas are like you know, they they're laughing and goofy and stuff, and they were like that in Star Wars from their first appearance. Is it because the Ewoks had you know, it's like okay, I have the well, answer. The, the the Jawas are a little more like scoundrelly, but the Ewoks would kill a man. And uh, is it because of faces? Because the Ewoks have faces and fur, like yeah. a cud- like a teddy bear, and so that makes them look cuddlier. Or what is it? I I think the answer. The difference is 
the Ewoks took out the mighty empire with sticks. While the Jawas were just there. Just there. Because you never see anybody go just like, oh, Jawas, I hate Jawas. You know, everybody's just like, yeah, Jawas. You know, so, yeah, I just. I think it's the idea that, like, they they really destroyed this massive empire with sticks. I think that's the right thing. Yeah, yeah. But it just seems like nothing about the nothing. Some of the things that people say that are they're annoyed by Ewoks, the Jawas, nobody was ever annoyed by that. And I understand that. Sorry, I'm sure there's one person out there that's just like, I fucking hate Jawas. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot of Star Wars fans. So there's definitely a handful of Ewok or uh, of uh, Jawa haters out there. But they're not they, they don't seem very vocal either, whoever they are. If you hate, if you're listening to this episode and you hate Jawas, send us a message so we know who you are. Up. Yeah, no, no judgment. Um, That's all I have about episode, uh, you know, um, part two of my favorite episode. All right, let me get through my tiny notes first. Um, God, Grogu is so ridiculously cute in this first, in these first two episodes. Like, he's always cute, but there's something like they definitely played up his cuteness factor in these first two episodes. Oh, yeah. Like, even, like, now having to see both seasons, like, he's extra cute in this episode. Like, extra cute. Yeah, they really really get in on his fine little hairs on his his little, little, like, hairs that diffuse the light. Yeah, the little soft hairs that diffuse light and his little soft... Ears that my, like, look like, like they when, look like one of those scared? little fuzzy plants, you know, with the little silky hairs on them. Mine is like when he's scared, like his ears will go back, like like um like a cat or something. Like they really play up his cute. Yeah, and they and they use his mouth with his teeth in it to do expressions that are very similar to Gizmo and Gremlins. He's very similar to Gizmo and Gremlins with his with with the you know points of cuteness. And yeah, 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 they definitely, but yeah, I mean, you know, unless we, we forget this was when this, like now we're just watching it, going watching another Mandalorian, but when at the time this it was, was the just first like, full episode of Grogu, yeah, everybody, so they really after, had to sell episode, this baby. We were all just like, what the fuck is up with this? Oh my God, we get to find out now. So this was hotly anticipated and I'm frankly, I'm, I forgot. How I forgot. I thought this episode was the third episode. I forgot, like, in the second episode, they played their hand that Baby Yoda could, like, levitate <laughs> a giant creature. So that was, that was like, take that was a step that I w- would have thought would have come a, a couple episodes later. But yeah, I forgot that, like, you know, 15, halfway through the episode, you know, Baby Yoda's already shown his powers. Um, I thought they would have left it at the tease of him healing him. um, My other two small notes, because I have so many big notes in this one. Um, I just wrote Himbo versus Mudhorn. (laughs) That's a fun note. Himbo versus Mudhorn. Um, And then my other small note is, I just like the really cool detail that the egg is hairy. That's just such a Star Wars thing. It's not like a smooth egg. It's just like this... Harry. Has the same kind of hair that the mom has, really, just a yeah. shag, like uh, like uh, um, mastodon hair. Yeah, and it's just a cool little detail. All right, to get into my big notes now. I fucking love these Jawas. <laughs> yeah, they're a riot. They're such a riot, and like, 
I wrote an entire ep- article about these Jawas, Chris, because I love them so much. And what's so interesting about these Jawas for me personally as Hope, um, probably no for no one else in the entire world, but me personally as Hope, um, I saw this episode at a time that I was really struggling with body image. And like just watching how these Jawas are kind of okay being assholes. And they're... They also just, like, when they eat this egg, they just, like, consume it and they enjoy it. And I should also throw out that eggs are, like, one of my absolute favorite foods. I just, I love a good soft-boiled egg. I think I actually have that note in Act 3. I love a good soft-boiled egg. It's kind of a theme in The Mandalorian now, isn't it? And, um, like, these Jawas just was, like, seeing just how comfortable in their skin to be like these gross little assholes and like they didn't give a fuck what Din thought they didn't give a fuck what Quill thought they just was happy they were happy to exist as themselves and I was like this is really inspiring to 2019 hope (laughs) well I mean they remind me a lot of videos you would see of of uh pygmy tribes I I remember seeing uh um a uh a video of in high school of you know a, a pygmy tribe and they killed an elephant and it was going to feed their village for a month you know and you know uh, and the fat was going to you know the every it, it was you know it was a bountiful thing and you know they're harvesting this elephant and they're like and they're just like they basically carve a hole in the elephant and they like climb inside and start just emptying, cleaning it out. And, you know, the whole tribe and all the kids are, are right, you know, they're, they're, they're jump, jumping inside the elephant and poking their head out and stuff. And, you know, the, everybody's just like food for, you know, the next two months and everybody's like laughing and dancing and, and singing. Yeah. And, they, and, and like I remember in high school, like half half the kids were like, "Look at him go," and the other half were just like, "That's disgusting." And it's like it's only disgusting because it's not part of you didn't life. grow up that way, you know. Yeah. To them, that's just like that is they're like that poor elephant, and it's just like, look, <laughs> if that's you were them, that would not be that poor elephant. It would be because otherwise, enough. it's poor us, you know. Yeah. So, and and weirdly enough, that's such a great segue to my next note. Cool. Um, something I really like the Mandalorian that we're seeing in this episode, but we'll definitely see it a lot later on in the show. And we're also now seeing it carry over into Book of Boba Fett is these species from the original trilogy being the Jawas and the Tuskens. They're getting humanized. And I think that's such a good, smart, interesting thing um for star wars to do because like always like the tuscans were like kind of the villains and they were like but they were the original settlers like people invaded on their land like everybody else was colonizers in their land and like the ajawas here they're a thriving little culture they have like you know they are happy to be this culture that like the suga is part of their culture and i i love it i love that these shows are taking these like species from the original trilogies and giving them so much more depth um, and I'll definitely talk about this more, like when we get to the Tuscans, and by God, we're seeing it even more in Book of Boba Fett um, as of the first episode of this recording. Uh, but that's one of my favorite parts about Mandalorian is getting to see these like original trilogy creatures. Well, like the uh, really Jawas were creatures, and now they're people. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and like, and originally in Star Wars, a 
over the years, especially as, you know, our relations with the Middle East have gotten worse, or at least, you know, or or there's, you know, the, the name sand people and that they existed in the desert has made this association with the Tuscans of like Arabic people or, you know, that would like live in the desert and stuff. And really that they're more like, you know, like the American Plains Indians or something like that. And, and, you know, and they, they, they started it in Mandalorian and then they're, they're obviously following through with it in Boba Fett. You know, you're seeing the the rhyme and reason too, and you know what what it's like to see it from an insider point of view. It's very much like you know something like Dancing with Wolves or or uh, or Little Big Man or something, where it's a story of you know an outsider. White saviors. <laughs> and it, yeah, 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 but it's not as much a white savior story because he's not coming in as a say. It's just you know being being. That and that was more with little big man wasn't really white savior as much as just like he just sort of got adopted, you know. He just they 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 found him at one point and just said, okay, well we'll we'll we'll, we'll take him in, and then they just you know uh, um, acclimatized him to the the way of life, which he found to be a you know. In that movie, it's you know it keeps he keeps bouncing back from you know, regular white man, his white man life to back to Indian life and the Indian life where he's learning, learning anything valuable and having, you know, so, but at the, at the same point, they, 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 I think it was wise that they took more parallels with like American Indians or, you know, that, that sort of indigenous group with the, with the Tuscan Raiders and the Jawas don't really fit into any well just thinking of like, like, an, a, like a, i mean that you can describe they're, 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 they're like a town like the pretty much the rolling fortress is like their town that they just like all live in it's like you know if you just like gather them all up and they live there and they're just like this little tiny town um and they're they're they sustain themselves and they take care of each other and they're they're a community they're they are rolling the community and that is their community and so I, I just I like that. Um, I will throw out just to pimp out some of our friends, both who have been on the show before. Um, I know Arzu has talked about this before um, when they I believe when they were coming to Mandalorian over at the Geeky Waffle, bef- po- the Geeky Waffle podcast before. And this was on their YouTube streams um, before she started Space Waffles. She's talked in um, uh, she's Persian. Um, so she's talked about like how like the Tuscans and Middle East representation and our friend uh, Swara, who was on one of our resistance episode. I, I, if I remember correctly, he talked about this on his podcast, The Middle Geeks, and and he's Kurdish. So if you want to hear like a Middle Eastern perspective on this, uh, go look those them up, because I believe both of them have talked about this before in much more depth And neither Chris and I are Middle Eastern. So if you want to hear right. a Middle Eastern perspective, uh, go check them out. Um, all right. So I have so many notes on the mud horn. First of all, it is so fitting that the Mudhorn is very much a symbol of Din's journey, and and it's a very fitting signet. So the Mudhorn is fighting because she's protecting her young, and that is actually Din's entire journey for the show. His entire purpose from this moment on is fiercely protecting Grogu from the rest of the galaxy that would take his child from him, and that becomes Din's purpose. 
And even like at the end, like I have no doubt that even though Luke took Grogu away, that Den and Grogu will not be reunited. I I, I really doubt that's the direction. They're going to be together again. <laughs> yeah, the there's purpose. not going to be more than an episode or two of season three, I predict, with where they're separate unless there or, or I if should anything, say Grogu is a cash cow. They're not going to like leave their cash cow to the side. That there's that too, and just story wise, it's so thematic with the story that like the most I think they could do to separate them was to have for for like maybe half the season have them have a parallel storyline or something like that. But I even yeah. then I don't think that it would work. And like Den gets his baptism in mud, like and and pretty much from here on out, he just rises higher and higher. Again, falling up the entire way, but like this is his by far his lowest point where he's broken and is beaten down and from here on out he gets his kid he gets his new beskar he gets his new armor he starts getting allies he starts building his found family like this is his baptism of mud of his lowest of the low until he finally grow up builds up until he's the fucking leader of yeah he has to kill, he has to kill the thing with a with a with a knife it's it's very video game it's the knife is like the first like weapon you're like default weapon when you don't have anything you can at least like fight the zombies off with a knife you know mm-hmm. and uh and it's funny because that knife is just a few inches long he the his his shot with that knife was so precise <laughs> yeah. just kill that thing instantly but yeah and okay my other big note is about uh Grugu using the horse so this, now I just want to preface this by this is Hope's kind of taking from other stories so we can kind of sort of infer maybe what happened in this moment. So this is Hope's interpretation of Grogu. Um, you know, he lived through the imper- Imperial times. We know he survived Order 66. And I started thinking about like what was what a big moment this is for Grogu as a character using the Force. And I started thinking about other stories like Kanan. Um, because in the book, um, what's the name of that book? A New Dawn. And in Kanan, The Last Padawan. There, Kanan has a lot of internal thoughts about how scared he is to use the Force during Empire time. Because if you use the Force, they'll find you. And same thing happened with Cal Kestis in Fallen Order. He was perfectly fine in hiding, except for the very first time he used the Force. And someone outed him for money. And just the fear that Jedi lived in after that time period, after Order 66. And knowing that Grogu lives through all of that, he if, if we're assuming that he's sentient enough to know that, like, I'm in danger as a Jedi, because we, again, we don't know if he has, like, toddler brain or 50-year-old brain. We don't know that yet. He's sentient enough, we find out, to communicate with Luke Skywalker. And Ahsoka. Right. So, you know, and to so, have a to have a conversation with him, but it could be a toddler level conversation. We don't know, but it But I if we're saying that he has a little bit more than toddler, then that's probably a very scary moment. And it makes those moments of seeing this episode from Grogu's point of view so much more important well, because he was watching Din, this person that he's learning to trust, protect him, and I think and, and Din has twice now at this point have us protected him. So Grogu using the force in front of Din is a sign that Grogu trusts Din to share that secret with him. Even it's, though Din has no idea what it is. <laughs> it's also self-preservation too because, you know, his his life is tied in with 
if 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 that thing kills Den, he's just stuck out in the desert in his little, you know, in his little little bed. And and here's the thing: he obviously didn't have the like strength to just kill it, and he has like one shot to use the force enough. And after that shot, he's asleep. So if 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 he didn't if he didn't get you know just basically enabled Din to kill that to to kill it, he you know he's just gonna be sleeping there and the thing the thing is just gonna walk up and be like crunch 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 yum <laughs> you know it's just like a he's just a salad in a bowl so you know there's a little bit of. Just a little bit of self-preservation going on there, you know. I'm not wrong, right? <laughs> You're not. That's such a funny. I don't know why that got me. Because you are not wrong. But I also, I'm just so surprised. There's well, he's been green, no... you know. I mean, there's so many Star Wars recipe books. And I'm like, now I'm just imagining one of like, how to make your own Grogu salad. And like the lettuce leaves are cut out to look like his little ears. And you put you use olives for his little black eyes. <laughs> right, right, right. But you put it in just a giant like Yoda pizzas. bowl. You put it in a giant mixing bowl. And then you put aluminum foil over like half of it. So it looks like, his, like he's just like sitting in his little bed. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, but that's all I have for Octavia. Did you have anything else? No, that's all I got. All right. We'll end with Grogu's salad. Did I mention this is my favorite episode? This is one of my favorites, too. All right. You ready to wrap this puppy up? Let's, uh, yeah. Let's toss this Grogu salad. Oh, Oh, Ah! no. Ah! 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 No. Hope gets canceled twice in one show. Let's, uh, uh, let's uh let's wrap the let's 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 hose this mud horn down. Uh, if you don't know what that is, actually, I have a funny story about that. Can I can I tell a story about? I gotta say, salad? they probably do know what that is because the internet exists. And in... I I have a funny story about tossing salads. Before we get into Act Three, can I share it right fast? Christ. So when I was in college in theater, oh, we no. had a show that we did every year called Episodes and Sexuality. And it was oh, no. no, no, no. It was, it was fun. I actually, um, I, I, I'm not saying about that. I'm just, I'm just anticipating where it's heading. <laughs> so it, it was a student-written, student-designed, student-directed show, and, um, and, and of course, our teachers was there. Teachers were there to be like great mentors and like to help us out and stuff like that. But like the students like wrote their own things, um, their own like, and it was a variety, kind of like a little variety show. So it was like a series of like short scenes and stuff like that. And we, and we created ourselves. Um, and one of the shows that I was designing, I, it was either, I can't remember if I was the lighting designer or the set designer, because I, I did episodes a couple of times. So, because it was a show we had every year. So I, I designed on it a few times. Um, and one of the in-between bits was this like really like dramatic, like almost circus music, like da 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 And an actor would come out with a food and like very dramatically like, like like one kid, like one girl like one guy came out with a taco. It was like dancing with a taco and like very dramatically like was licking the taco and, and like stuff like that. Um, and at what like and at one point, a uh, girl comes out with this like bowl of salad. It's just like very dramatically with a spoon, just like spitting it around and like dancing with the salad. And like these were our transition scenes while we were changing out the set pieces. Um, was just just these little bits. So we're sitting in Tech Week, 
and uh, we're all there. And my lovely theater director, uh, who was one of our teachers, was like giving us, you know, normal notes. So like, hey, and like all of our all of our teacher mentors were giving us notes and stuff like that. And finally, my roommate, who was the student director of the show, um, she looks at her and goes, the only thing I don't understand is the salad bit. And my roommate turns beet red. <laughs> and I'm sitting beside her like, oh my God, oh no. <laughs> and she's like, I don't understand what that means. And so credit to my, my, my roommate goes, well, and, and explains what tossing so, salad yeah. is. Pulls out very, the slide, slide projector and, and screen. And just very, very Pointer. professionally explains to our adult teacher what tossing salads means mm. in the sexual slang. The story does not end there. I was not on this trip, but I've heard stories of this trip. Um, but when some of my uh my fellow students went to competitions they had been submitting you know we submit our designs and stuff for competitions against like other schools and stuff like that and when they were on this trip apparently our teacher when they were uh all eating at a restaurant and like there was a small town so like all like different schools were there and stuff like that and of course all the teachers because they always do these trips together with students all the teachers know each other from the district you know from other colleges and stuff like that and apparently our teacher got really drunk it was just like hey steve do you know what tossing salads means all the way across the restaurant <laughs> she's like tossing salads and I was like, wow, I'm so glad I was not on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Hope's story about talking salads. Anyway, act three. And act three. So we're and, with that, and with that, act three. <laughs> um, if you don't know what tossing salads is, just look it up on the internet. Um, act three. Yeah. They've Googled um, it out right in that conversation if they didn't know, and they're horrified or or intrigued by now yeah yeah well you know what there's no buts about it oh <laughs> high five <laughs> so <laughs> high four and a half on that one at most we are back with the jawas and the jawas are like you know what khalil we win either way. He is probably dead. We're going to get on out of here, okay? And, Quill, and Quill's like, no, no, no. Like, it's fine. He'll be back any second now. He's the protagonist. He's going to just make a dramatic entrance. And they're like, really? And they all look over the hill, and there's Den walking over the hill. And they're like, oh, he did pull a protagonist move. All right, what's up? And Den is like, I have your Suga. And the Jawas are like, fuck yeah, Suga. And they slice it open and then they just like start chugging egg yolk. And like, I just, I, I love soft boiled eggs. Every time I see the, the Suga, I'm just like, I just want to drink that. I love, soft boiled eggs are one of my absolute favorite foods in the entire world. I've just, actually- Just a soft, just a goopy egg yolk and toast and buttered toast is like, it's one of the greatest like comfort so, yeah with a little, little, little ever. bit of salt and pepper on top yeah just has a just little a salt and pepper yeah just a touch <laughs> it's one of my favorite foods of all times i've actually like soft boiled egg sliced off the top and drank it 
just like the Jawas. <laughs> like I am a gross. Yeah. Hope is a gross Jawa girl, and I'm these these Jawas made me proud to say I'm a gross Jawa man, and I'm I'm a gross. At Jawa least you man don't. At least you don't hoist it up at the table with it just dripping down <laughs> your your big wizard sleeve down into your wizard sleeve of. Oh, I want to eat the suga. Anyway, so they uh, they start feasting on the suga, and they give Aladdin's stuff back. So Dan and Quill are riding back to Quill's place, and Quill's like, "Is your kid okay?" And Dan's like, "I don't know. I've only been a dad for eighteen hours. Do you think he's fine? He's breathing. Is he alive? He's still alive. But is he now? Yes, he's still alive. Help me, Quill. I don't know what to do." And they're like, "Okay, well, we're just gonna get you back now." And so they get back there. They get back to the Razor Crest and they set up all their stuff. And Din's like, ugh, this is gonna take days. And Quill's like, yeah, that's the point. Get started, kid. This is gonna happen faster if unless you help. And then we have a ship fixing montage and they, Quill and Din, rebuild the Razor Crest and put it all back together. And it's a fun little montage and the Razor Crest turns on and Din's like, awesome. So Den tries to reward Quill of like, hey man, you really helped me out there. Let me at least give you some money. And Quill is like, no, you're my guest. You know, it was my job to help you out. And he's like, well, you want to be on my crew? You're like this really cool character. And everybody loves you. And Quill's like, nah, I'm a Western stereotype, like kind of just helping you out and giving you advice. And you're just going to go away and come back when you need it. So I'll be fine. Bye-bye. And he rolls on out of there, thanking Din for his, like, breed turning piece to the galaxy. So Din turns up the Razor Crest, fires it up, and Baby Yoda wakes up. He's just like, where are we going to Dad? And he's like, you're alive! I'm gonna go turn you in for money! Next week! Bye bye <laughs> And they fly off into space. The end. What'd you think of that? I love, um, well... Being my favorite episode, I love this act because it's so weird. It's it's it, and I didn't think of this till it was over because it didn't feel weird till I thought about it. It didn't feel weird at all. It, it was perfect. Um, but the last third of this is just a little epilogue. It's just a, it's just it just slows down and takes it easy. Yeah, and it. And things sort of happen for the story, but they're all just like, okay, stuff you know that's got to happen. The ship's got to get fixed. You know, they discuss the kid a little bit, but it's very not, it's not adding, it's not adding anything. It's just, you know, incidental conversation that those two characters have. It doesn't give any big insight. And the only other thing that happens is he invites him to come with him. And of course he's not going to because you know the sensei is never gonna leave his 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 little 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 dojo. But that's just you know, that's just really sort of a you know, that's not you know, there's nothing that really like is a huge addition to the story or any need for any dialogue to shore anything up. It's just a it's just a sort of just a sort of meditative moment and it takes a whole third of takes up a whole third of the show and it's great 
you know it's just it's just it's you're just being in that world with the characters mm-hmm. for for 10 minutes and uh it, it really flows nicely and uh you know uh, i mean the major action and conflict of this show is over before the you know right like just a little past the middle of the show you know when he when he when he actually you know defeats the mudhorn so i i just love it it's just you know it's 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 just it's beautiful to look at but it's just sort of like quiet and it's it's dusk and dark and just sort of you know just sort of relaxed talking <laughs> i love it that's I all it, i got for it um for me favorite episode for me i love the metaphor of the egg and everything it, it like it is because Get sometimes that. <laughs> yeah because sometimes you just go through stupid bullshit for like nothing because the egg's not a ceremony thing they're not like worshiping the egg or the mud horn they're not like using it to save their like sick relatives Mando no, almost but it's died. like a, it's like a rare it's like a rare treat yeah. for for jawa it's something yeah. jawas obviously value it, it was it was almost for nothing for the, the but that's the ridiculous of the absurdity that's the ridiculousness of it, of it. They like it's it they they pretty much like Mando almost died like for the equivalence of like me getting fancy sushi. I get uh, fancy sushi like maybe once a year. And everything else is like fine. But like I I, I splurge on fancy sushi once a year. And it's like Mando almost died to get me fancy sushi. Mm-hmm. But I like that metaphor for life. Like sometimes you go through so much shit for bullshit. And that's just how it is. Well, the way the head Jawa, when he reached it, the head Jawa who got the first taste and reached in and tasted it and went, Suka, the way he, the the he way he, up. he does hold it up like we got the Suka. He holds it up and, but he has a hand that's it's like dripping with yolk and he does this very like talking with your hands, like stylized little, little way, like his you know palm facing up and does a little suka and he like rotates his hand and it's just it's it's not only that he's uh, yes this is this is the right egg but he's just like this is good or oh, this is suka this is the 20 dollar sushi roll yeah he just he just took the first taste and he's just like oh god they're like you got the suka and he's like oh guys we got the suka. <laughs> this is the suka, <laughs> and it's and it's just it's just beautifully done, you know. And the and and yeah, it's just it's just awesome. It's 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 just funny that like it's like a reverse episode. It, it like starts out basically full tilt from the beginning to the most of the way through the second part and then it slows down you know it's almost like the reverse of the beats of a of a regular half hour tv show which would like start out slow and then build towards you know you know the last scene him being you know walking towards the jawa sand crawler with the egg and doom, 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 the end you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> if you ever want to see what it looks like 
when Hope gets her once a year fancy sushi, it's this egg scene of just being me of me just being like the rainbow roll. <laughs> the unagi <laughs> unagi bowl. Like that's what it looks like. I'm just like, yes. <laughs> that's what it looks like. Um I think it's really interesting about Din and Quill not knowing about the force for two reasons. One shows how good the Empire was at erasing the Jedi. You know, because they spent like what a generation erasing them. And yeah, there's there's other things going on here. Like uh they're in the outer rim, so already it was harder to be around Jedi's, but like the idea of the force was known, even if people didn't know what Jedi were. Do we do like, we know that that Kuil has no knowledge of the force? We know that Kuil used to be a slave of the Empire. And and he he says in this episode, like, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, I don't understand what happened. So I take that as he doesn't understand either that he he either doesn't understand that is the force or he doesn't know what the force is. Um, but the other point, or he's like, being, or he's being like obtuse because he doesn't know what the force is, but he's just like more being more of a Zen, you know. He knows that, like, talking about the, you know, if he knew anything, you know, because he has that, he has that, and I don't know if maybe it's just, like, I don't know, he has that um, personality of, you know, the wise man, like, a wise man, but, like, a religious wise man in some way, you know, Mm -hmm. a wise man with a code, and that's, that I have spoken thing is very, you know, that just you can tell that's part of his philosophy you know and i thought it might just be like a character trait of his species but then i would think but just the way the way that is it it, it, either way it's it seems to that seems to be sort of um stemming from some sort of philosophical base you know and he's got definitely got like He's definitely got that, like, I have chosen a simple life and I'm a, you know, simple man, but it's still waters run, run deep. You know, he's very much got the the sensei who knows more than he lets on, you know. We'll never know. Yeah. Hold on one second. Someone, I got a little work message sent to me that I need to. Oh, dear God. Good luck. I'm on the, I as you were talking, I was muted and typing it. <laughs> and, uh, okay, sorry, you have my full attention again. <laughs> but I was listening. That's um, how, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm done. No, no. And but the other thing that I actually think is from, uh, interesting about this is that, and we and we know this later because the armor calls them wizards. <laughs> um, it shows how removed Den's cult is from the rest of the Mandalorians because Mando history. Jedi are sworn enemies. They yeah. make their armor. They make their vibroblades. They, everything they make is to fight Jedi in the Force. And that shows that Din was not raised with this knowledge of Jedi or the Force. And the first time he hears of this, the armorer calls them wizards. <laughs> 
So that that really tells a lot about this little cult that Jen is a part of and how drastically separated from the rest of Mandalore is. Because we know from Bo-Katan, she's like, oh yeah, Ahsoka Tana? That's my bro. That's funny because yeah. Uncle Owen called Ben Kenobi an old wizard in, in mm-hmm. A New Hope. Oh, maybe it's, well, they're not on Tatooine, but maybe it's like a desert thing. It's just like, oh, maybe, maybe wizard is, maybe wizard is sort of maybe a, because both of them say it sort of like dismissively. Maybe it's a, you know, derisive term for, for, you know, a, a, a magic, you know, or a magician, you know, they're, 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 they're saying it in a sort of mocking way, you know. Yeah. Check out um, Gandalf over here. That's that's not unheard of because actually, uh, as I, I've been reading the High Republic, uh, they jokingly call Jedi wizard monks. They're like they call them monks or wizards when people don't understand stuff. Though I will say one of my favorite lines just came up. Um, I'm reading Fallen Star right now, and there's a character who used to raise Jedi t- Jedi toddlers, and he's like, nothing is scarier when you when you have a three year old realize they can do magic. <laughs> No, it's like that's a terrifying thought of a three-year-old just being like, "I can throw things with my brain." <laughs> and you can tell, and and after after, you know, post, you know, from episode, you know, post the prequels on, you know, the 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 galaxy picked up some real like sort of um, uh, bigotries after after that conflict against. Probably well. Well, we know why robots, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and the and the Jedi, you and know, we know that the and the Jedi were demonized. S- also, you know, at the the yeah. Jedi, the Jedi weren't making any friends towards the end of their career. And, and we know that, that the Empire was purposely spreading uh, propaganda against oh, yeah. them, as well as destroying historical places like Jeddah. Oh yeah, for I mean, from Order sixty six on, it was a it was a campaign to demonize the Jedi, demonize and hunt down the Jedi. So, so yeah. Um, and the only other note I have for this episode, um, the Razor Crest really is a symbol of Den as a person. Yeah, uh, we were talking about this last week about his armor, and we were we were saying how like how much we missed this original armor of his. Because it really represented of like him putting himself together, doing the best he can. He might get like little shiny Mando pieces here and there, but like when we see Den's original armor, that's really kind of who he is. And so much of the series is him growing into his new armor for the rest of the show to be worthy of wearing that Mando armor. And it was your the Razor Crest is kind of like that. Like it's beaten up, it's put together, it gets taken apart and stuff like that. But it really is Den's home and it represents who he is. It's like this kind of put together person doing the the ship's doing the best it can. We've seen it throughout the show, just kind of like fall off of things and break down and get put back together again and break down and put back together. It's, it's full Millennium Falcon tradition. And it's but somewhere... that's also very much Den as a person. We see him get broken down and have to put himself we saw it in this episode. He almost gets killed by a mud horn and he has to put it like he gets fights the transdotions and he's welding he's cauterizing his own skin. Just like they're putting the ship back together, he's putting himself back together. You know, he gets beat up by the mod horn and he's put himself back together. So it really, like, the Razor Crest really is a representation of Den, and that's why it hurts so much when it gets blown up in season two. <laughs> that's the real tragedy is the ship gets blown up. What are you saying? 
No, also visually, it's sort of somewhere halfway. It's got lots of visual elements of Slave One and Millennium Falcon, just sort of mixed, sort of like cool elements from both. And it also has a sort of, it sort of mirrors just sort of, I, not super like, but it feels Mandalorian, you know? It feels mm-hmm. like, it feels the right shape and everything. It's, it's... <laughs> It's like Mandalorian armor. It's a cool-looking ship, but it keeps getting the shit beat out of it. I, I have to say about the ship, and I'm I'm sorry if no one has ever noticed this before, and I'm about to ruin the res- razor cl- crest for you. It looks like fly- a flying uterus with ovaries. Well, that would not be uh, that if that was a <laughs> conscious decision. And every you time know, I see it, I'm we're, just talking, like, we're talking we're talking about ovaries. like we're talking about like you know. Fatherhood, motherhood, whatever. There's lots of egg imagery in it. Why not? Why not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but that's all I have for this episode. Do you have anything that's, else? That's a great himbo. You know, I fly around it. I fly around in a giant uterus. I mean, I, I, he probably <laughs> was like one of those things where he was like, this ship is so cool. And he bought it. He was so happy. And then someone, some dude is like, it looks like a uterus. And he looks at it. He's like, fuck, it does. Dude, you bought the Damn uterus it. ship. That, that dude, they used to have that down at the like clinic. That was the, they used to like that, fly. It was like the uterus mobile. They used to fly around to promote uterine health with it. You bought like, that ship? Well, like, I yeah, guess it's cool. it's cool, man. Yeah, it's cool, man. My shit, shut up. <laughs> shut up, it's the Razor Crest. It's the Razor Crest. Well, it was called the Gyno 4, but, you know, whatever, <laughs> dude. <laughs> well, you go get your Razor Crest, big guy. With, with your cute little kid. Isn't he cute, though? Someone's just like, whenever you check it out, do you use speculum? <laughs> Spread it open. <laughs> that would be awesome. He crashes it, and like that's what the space jaws of death or jaws of life look like is a giant speculum, and they just pry open his. He shoved the back of his ship. <laughs> oh, we gotta pull this back on the rails, Chris. What? That's all I have. Did you have anything else? Uh uh-uh. uh. We don't have. I guess we, since we don't oh, have Dark Star Jar, now we have. Now, now we have the, the, the lady, the lady Razor Crest. There, I mean, the lady Razor Crest. If you go to look in the movie Battle Beyond the Stars, there's a very feminine, feminine spaceship in that one. It even has boobs. <laughs> it does. Alright, okay. Let's bring this back. How would you rate the episode, Chris, and why? How would I rate my favorite episode of The Mandalorian? Let me think about this. Zero, it sucked! It, I'm just gonna, I, after a lot of thought, ten, ten ah! out of ten. This is the episode to beat from, for, for me from, from now on, so if there's gonna be another ten, it's gotta, I don't put another ten like out of the picture, but I don't think it would displace this as my favorite. But this is the one to beat. This is this is the the high bar for my favorite show and the best show so far. So I don't know. There's there's 
there's several other good solid 10 contenders out there that I can think of off the top of my head. And I'm sure there's a few episodes that I've forgotten too. Cause I'm like that. Dumb. <laughs> Chris Honeywell. Dumb. You're a himbo like Dan. <laughs> Dim the dimbo. Dim, dim the, the, the cute dimbo. The Dimbo. Dimbo. I, I was about to say Kimbo, but that's a lion movie. <laughs> Dimbo's just himbo seems like sort of that like jock and Wait. bimbo mixed together, but Dimbo just seems like dumb and bimbo. <laughs> like oh no, I'm like wrong. Double, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Dumb. Kimba is the lion movie, not Kimbo. My bad. Kimbo. <laughs> Kimba is the lion movie. I was like, wait, the moment it came out of my mouth, I'm like, that's not right. Kimba is the lion movie, not Kimbo. Um, for me, this is one of my favorite episodes of the season, uh, of the entire series so far. Like, I love this episode. I think a lot of people sleep on this episode, but I would argue it's, like, one of the most important when it comes to, like, thematically in character. And, like, mm -hmm. this sets up so much of the rest of the this, show. Yeah, this, yeah. Um, and it's so there's so much foreshadowing of like where Din's journey goes, why Grogu happens the way he does. Like, like there's so much in this episode, and it's gorgeous storytelling. Like the, there's 11 minutes of no dialogue, and it's so engaging. Like that's that's a flex. <laughs> that's something you don't see that often in in, in media now. Um, so yeah, I I love it. Um, I'm I'm interested to get to a couple episodes because. This is one of my favorites, and the one that I always said is my favorite, I don't know how I will feel when I watch it, which is episode four, um, because it used to be my favorite, but... Oh, no, soon enough, yeah. That's yeah, quick, quick but enough. certain things have happened in real-world stuff, and real-world stuff is is more important than fictional stuff. So I actually, I don't know my well, feelings on how I, I might, I, I might, I might force you into a double scoring on it at some point, because maybe I'll ask you how you think if it, if, it, if it if it existed in a in a va in a scandal free vacuum i mean i sanctuary was my favorite episode for up until gina opened her big stupid mouth um and i'm a very firm believer that real world living breathing flesh and blood human beings are much more important than fictional ones um so i, I actually i don't know how my feelings have changed until i watch episode four again because i haven't watched it since then um, and I do know there's an episode in season two that I really love, so, but I've only seen season two like once, unlike season one where I've seen five fucking times. <laughs> so I knew how I felt about this episode going into it. Uh, I give it a nine out of 10. It's one of my favorite episodes. I love this episode. I actually, actually, I'm going to give it a 9.5 out of 10. I love this episode. Oh. I love this fucking episode. It's so good. So. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from our Facebook page and Twitter for our Star Wars Visions episode for The Duel, The Twins, and Tattooing Rhapsody. And we got to hear from a friend we haven't heard from from a while, and I'm so excited to hear from him. I love this man. I mean, I love both of the men here. I, I don't want to say you that. You can love many men, Hope. As <laughs> yeah. many men as you want. But it's been so long since we've heard from you our good buddy. can love all and if you if you want. But we haven't heard from our good buddy Bucho in so long. Bucho, we love you. We need to do another show with Bucho and Robbie. I love those guys. I love those guys so much. I I would I would do another show with Bucho. I would do another show with Robbie, and I would do another show with Bucho and Robbie. Whatever kind, whatever, whatever, whatever we can get, whatever we can get, I would do it. 
I mean, I if if you enjoyed our Butcher and Robbie episodes, I do have to say, uh, Robbie streams on Twitch under Order. I think it's Order Forty Two, and that's also his YouTube. And I, I really enjoy his stuff. Go check them out. They're friends of the show. I, I love it. And Bucho, I just miss hearing your voice. I wish I'm so sad you don't podcast as much anymore. And let me know if you ever do, because I love you, man. Anyway, take it away. All right. So Bucho says top notch chat reviews and production. Those score drops. Yes, it's so great to do score drops when you actually have the score. It was that was an awesome aspect of this. Plus, these being short subjects, like you could almost play what was happening in the the short subject like word for you know right along with hope's you know summation of the story so even if it was a short one so they just were they it was very conducive to timing up and plus i was going chomping at the bit because i went through all of both seasons of of uh resistance without being able to do that at all not even in the smallest amount so yeah anyway back to bucho funny funny you saying you regard the twins as an in-universe film hope for me all of the visions work best oh for for me all of the visions works best through that head lens i also watch solo as if it's an in-universe movie oh <laughs> no, but I, I've actually seen a few people like uh, come use that, um, use that like reasoning too for visions, like like oh, it's kind of like a head cannon and stuff like that, like um, so. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm. I like. I'm one of those people that basically like I. I'm a pretty pretty much a believer, or at least prefer to believe in like some sort of multiverse. So I'm very con- it's very happy saying that everything ex- exists in like fictional stories. I'll take it. I'll take it all, even if it if, even if it's wildly, you know, contradicts itself and all that. Because you know, guess what? Does that too? Life, regular old real life. All right, we have another one for the same same uh, episode, but. This time it's Paul C. Kelly. Ooh, yeah. With a short and sweet message, Tattooing Rhapsody was a good one. It was one of his best. It's underrated. Everybody shits on it and stuff like that. <laughs> Great to People see a People shit punk. on it too much. There's a reason I talked for 45 fucking minutes about that short. It's so damn good. Great to see a punk rock band in the Star Wars universe. Oh, musically. I loved it. I listened to that all in the time. Spirit, in spirit, in spirit. So like I'm very. Oh my god, I, Max I Nico ve- is back. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very, um, I'm very uh, open and have a very wide net on my definition of punk. So like, you could have country music that's punk. So I will, I will, I will allow that and. Because the 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 people in the band, they were punk, so whatever they whatever they do by extension is punk. As a fan of pop punk, it was right up my alley. But I also know I don't have the greatest taste in music. <laughs> no such thing. There's no such thing. 
People can tell people can tell you that, but it's always false. Because I mean, unless you're listening to music that you hate for some reason, then and calling it your taste in music, then you've got perfect taste in music because you like what actually like I was like. They had a thing of some, and I'm I'm gonna get butcher the number. I don't I don't remember the exact number, but it was kind of high. But there was something like on the news the other day that like sixty, it was like sixty three percent of Spotify users say they're embarrassed about their music playlists, and I'm like me. <laughs> I don't. I have an entire playlist of just like normal stuff. If I'm ever in a car with a person. <laughs> oh well, yeah, but you don't have to be embarrassed about. I mean, I definitely. Like I have a, I have a, ta- I have a with. tablet with 60 gigs of music on it and it works sometimes like people will be sick of listening to their stuff and they'll, and they'll just go like, ah, you know, washi, go put something on. And, uh, and I, sometimes I have like, sometimes if I'm feeling, you know, if I want to mess with people, I'll just hit, hit shuffle and let it go. But most of the time I'm going to try to find something, you know, that that everybody can sort of sort of enjoy yeah you know like i can put a beastie boys re- record on and everybody can will sing along with it it's because the beastie are. boys yeah yeah exactly yeah. your mom threw away your best porno mag and then the half the people go busted yeah absolutely it it depends on who it's like like me and billy like we both like love k-pop so like um right like billy's like my k-pop friend actually though like because it's like bts has grown and stuff like that it's the perfect revenge so my my older sister jen who i love very much um jen always made fun of me growing up because a i was a nerd and and i really liked anime and one of the reasons, like, you know, liking anime, I listened to a lot of J-pop growing up. So my sister used to, like, ruthlessly make fun of me. Now, my nephew Chandler, her son, right. loves anime. And my niece Alyssa loves BTS and K-pop. So suffer, no, there, sister. There <laughs> was a dishwasher when I worked, like, 20 years ago at, at this Mexican place. And he would sit with his headphones. He, he got headphones. People told him about headphones in a, in a solo CD player when he was forcing, when he would get his turn at the CD player, he would put in an anime soundtrack and everybody was going nuts. They just hated it. And, uh, now though, 20 years later, jokes, jokes on them because anime is one of the hugest things in the, in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I, I mean, you it. like what you, 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 whatever you know. If th- that's all musical taste is, is like finding is is basically your guide to finding the music that's gonna that makes you feel good or feel whatever you want to feel from it. You know. Oh my god, I did my Spotify rap and my top. Okay, here's Hope's top. I will say when I was looking at my top songs of 2021, the funny thing about this is, is some of these are related to writing sound playlists because I, I make playlists for when I write, you know, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven of my top 10 played songs of last year are related to me writing scenes in my fan fiction. <laughs> 
Good. So I would just have the song on repeat when I was writing the scene that was either like inspired yeah. it or I oh, scored uh, the scene to it. And so I had to laugh because I was like, laughs in fan fiction. <laughs> I just like it. I got the I've got soundtracks on there, but I've got the last Jedi soundtrack on there and uh, which is a really good soundtrack. But every time it comes on, there's somebody at work goes, what is this? This sounds what is this? Harry Potter every time. What is this? Harry Potter. <laughs> Let's see. Hope's, hope top 10 songs of 2021. Um, the Frost Studio Chamber Sonic version of Show Yourself from Frozen. What by Dreamcatcher, followed by Monster X. Intermission by Panic at the Disco. You, as in the letter U, from Millennium Parade, which is from the Bell soundtrack. Ultra Luminary from Over the Moon. Um, I, I, I hope I forgot how to read. Um, just Monica from Den Salvato, which is one of the songs in Doki Doki Literature Club, but it's just background noise. It's like the perfect background noise song. Um, What's Up Danger from Spider-Verse, Dinga by Mamamoo, and Deja Vu by Dreamcatcher. Hope loves Dreamcatcher. That's her favorite K-pop band, with Mamamoo being her second favorite K-pop band, and I'm so sad they're breaking up soon. All I know is, all I know is I've never heard any of that song except for the Spider-Verse song, which I heard, but did was not, I don't remember any of the songs from it. So, uh, there, Hero see, Rhyme, you, you, Hero you are Rhyme completely by... free of judgment from me. You, Let's you, see. I can't judge you at all. Hero of Rhyme by A Star Bomb, Haunted, the acoustic version by Taylor Swift, The Change by Evanescence, mm-hmm. Cheap Thrill by Sia. Pump It by Black Eyed Peas, Good For You, Olivia Rodrigo, Some by Nature, Burn Bright by My Chemical Romance, and rounded out the Yuri on Ice theme from Yuri on Ice. Well, the, the, the only thing that I like, <laughs> one of the only things that I recognized on there was the Black Eyed Peas, and I've liked stuff that I heard from the Black Eyed Peas, so you're a hundred, you're running a hundred percent with Taylor me. Swift is. Uh, well, uh, I've heard Taylor Swift, but I could tell you I don't really, I probably wasn't aware that I heard Taylor Swift. Yeah, I probably that's... heard the songs and someone would go, would have to go, this is Taylor Swift. And I go, oh, this song. Okay. Yeah. That's all I know. That's one all I know. Song, one of the songs is my, the Taylor Swift song is my Comac and Sai song and my fan fiction. I love my babies. I love my little babies. They better be okay at Midnight Horizon. Uh, anyway, thank you, people. Bye, Chris. You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That is our website. Websites are the thing on the, the World Wide Web <gasps> where you can go really? get podcasts. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those uh, techno people that, like, knows all the all the new computer stuff so you know stick with j guys and jedi you want to keep up on that stuff anyway on the worldwide web well you'll find our website and it has um oh it has connections to all of our our podcasts by all of our different podcasters and different shows and uh it has pictures and everything that you can look at and you can click things on things called links to to go and to different places it's it's fa- it's a fantastical I'm, I'm it's a fantastical so world much. of wonder I'm, yes I'm, you, you'd be wise to open your ears hope and listen to it because wow. it's going to be the future i heard that they were going to have these amazing amazing places called angel fire websites yes yes 
Wow. And there we will. There, those, those. Unfortunately, you have to burn angels for them to work. It's hence the name. Well, depending but if we're going for canon angels, pictures some of, of, of Nike people. If we're going for canon angels, some of them are already on fire. <laughs> anyway, that's where TrueTrueFreaks.com. You can see what we're up to there. You can see what we're up to on facebook which is another thing that i won't explain because it's probably too complicated for you it's probably a little too techy and uh nerdy and uh a little too like uh, if there's some engineering majors out there you know you already know what i'm talking about anyway we're on facebook and uh we have the two true freaks podcast page there and we post up all our shows there and we have the two true freaks cantina which is more of our hangout spot and then then, if you want to cross over to the Mordor of uh, of the internet, there's Twitter. Oh, and I think I have that there. on my phone. It's like a game where you like feed it words, and then shit comes out of it. Uh, yes. I yeah. love that game. It's my favorite game on my phone. And <laughs> and uh, you you can you can find Two True Freaks on Twitter, and our Two True Freaks page is run by. Gene, Gene, the Saruman machine. I was gonna like, I don't. I was gonna go off my like my bird riff and be like, we feel, we feed you so much shit, Gene. But then you went with Saruman, and I was like, I need a Hobbit reference. Uh, I'm coming up blank. <laughs> <laughs> Time for second lunch, Gene. Give us the second lunch, Gene. Give us the Twitters, please. Also, Gene happy, has his second lunch, but he has it at 2.5 speed. Happy 20th anniversary on Fellowship of the Rings. We gotta get the child, Chris. The child. The child is the precious. <laughs> Throw him in the pit. <laughs> oh, I read, I read Throw the child in the pit. And then the dad will get <laughs> My my golem like impression is sliding. Your away. golem really impression is more like the emperor I, and a little Werner Herzog going on there. It's, it's, oh, after I need to remember to do my Werner Herzog impression next week. I yeah, you got you got some coming up, so don't worry. Yeah, yeah, no. Werner no. Herzog impression is is really good. Is I you just lean right into that. Yeah, I like there, it. There's there's a game grunts bit of um of a Gollum impression, but it's in the middle of the, like the sluttiest game called House Party and it's my favorite, it's one of my favorite Game Grumps moments, so that's become like my Gollum impression. <laughs> I'm gonna watch that. Game Grumps animated House Party. I got, I did a good <laughs> Gollum impression once at work, uh, just randomly without trying while making fun of one of my coworkers, and then everybody thought it was so great that they wanted me to do it again, and I could never do it again, not even close. No, I was just <laughs> like, sorry, guys, that was a one-time thing. I wasn't even thinking. It just leaped out. It's done. It's never. I'll never be able to think about it and do it again. <sighs> anyway. Yes. Night, everybody. No, you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good night, everybody. No one cares where Hope is. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> well, hey, Hope, where can they find you? You know what? No. We're getting no. too... No, I'm not your your baby Yoda to pander to. No, I don't care if you can find me at Jay Guys and Jedi on Twitter. No one cares that I run their Twitter account. 
they, by them being me, no one cares, Chris, that I'm at Hope Mullinax on Twitter. I'm and sorry, you know, Hope, like, I ran myself down like three different forking dirt roads on that one, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't know where yeah. I was. You know what? Maybe you're at the Waffle House because I work for the Geeky Waffle. I write for them. I just I just made my yearly calendar of things I want to write for the Geeky Waffle. So you can find me over there and sometimes on their Star Wars podcast called Space Waffles. Space Waffles. My friend Arzu, who's amazing. And I adore that woman. And you know what? Sometimes I don't, I'm on Straight Outta Home Video, which is their other podcast. And sometimes I'm just on their normal Geeky Waffle podcast. So if you look up the Geeky Waffle, you'll probably find me somewhere. And you know what? We have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. You should check it out because Hope's finally getting her shit together and putting out more episodes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a new podcast coming up. Hope's finally getting her shit together and making new episodes. <laughs> My voice hurt. That was a very painful bit. <laughs> uh, that, that, that show is just Hope coming in going like, all right, I'll have a new episode in like three or four days. All right, see you later. See you on next episode of Hope's coming out with new episodes. <laughs> oh, my throat hurts now. That really was a painful bit. All right. Well, speaking well, of painful bits, good night. <laughs> well, speaking of painful bits, in next week's episode, we're going to be talking about episode three of The Mandalorian, which is The Sin. Ew. Yeah, you know the sin the, of Din. The sin of Din, but that's what happens when you're flying in the Gino Four. Yeah, it's a it's a painful bit. It's a it sin just be. it's a sin just going up the ramp. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, we love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
I have spoken.